on again, um, that would be great. Um, we're going we're gonna to take about, about 20 minutes or so to kind of walk you through some things. And um, no, there's no bad, yeah, Jim was saying nothing bad. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no bad news, hopefully no surprises either. Um, everybody is aware that we are in the midst, Jim and I are in the process of transition now in the church, and Jim's getting ready to plant the church in Melbourne, Florida, and we are excited about that, that we get to be able to support him. And, and Sam uh, Hill and I, we're staying here, we're in, staying in place, so nothing's changing with the plans. We're not, we're not switching anything on you. And um, so we are we're looking forward to that. We're excited about that. And as you know, we've been seeking to hire a new pastor and it's important for us this morning that we, we bring that to you, the church. So that's why we take some special time to do so and having an abbreviated message. So as you know, we, we want to hire an additional pastor to help serve and care for our church as Jim departs. And, and we told you we'd be doing that and letting you know that before the departure. So that's what we're doing this morning. And, but as we, we're seeking to hire a new pastor, it's really important that all of us remember where our focus needs to be and that we keep our gaze on Jesus and that, that our trust remains in him. So I want you to turn in Colossians, if you will. Turn to Colossians 1. Turn to Colossians 1. If you don't have a Bible, look on with somebody else beside you. Colossians 1, we're going to be reading 13 to 18. Colossians 1, 13 to 18. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Just what we heard about this morning transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and isn't that what we've been learning about throughout the book of genesis it's been so cool to see that in verse 17, it says, And he, talking about Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. You see, um, we, we're going to announce where we're at in, in the search for a pastor, but we don't want to build our church around any man. We don't want to build our church around a pastor. We don't want to build a church around a new hire, not around me, not around Sam, not around anybody else. But we do want to build our church around the great shepherd, not around any under-shepherd. So even in bringing you this news, we want to make sure that we're evaluating who we're truly being led by, where our faith is, where our trust is, and where our hope for the future is too. I'm really confident in the future because of this. Because of Jesus Christ is preeminent. He holds all things together. He's the first and the last. And unbelievably, it says he's the head of the body of the church. So that in everything, he might be preeminent. So even in this, we want to make sure that Christ is preeminent. And we're looking to him. Our hope's in him. Hope's not in me. And I'm very glad for that. And you should be very glad for that as well. Your hope is not in me. Your hope is not in um, whoever we're going to hire next uh, to, to come alongside us. And your hope's not in any person. Our hope's in Jesus who holds all things together. And, and our desire is that he remains preeminent. If you remember, we talked about we want to build our church around being disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And we want to grow in Christ. And we want to make disciples of Christ. And as we're seeking to hire an under-shepherd, we're looking to the great shepherd. So as we seek to make the transition, I want us to look forward to the future of the church and what God's calling us to. But I think that God would really encourage us to look to him, to trust in him, to rely in him as the head of the body of the church. And he's holding all this together. So that's my confidence this morning. And that's why we can joyfully and in faith continue on. And you know what? To some degree, we don't know perfectly anything. But we, we only know in part. But we know that he knows everything. And he holds everything. And he cares about his church. That's our confidence this morning. So let's remember that, that the great shepherd loves and cares for his church, that he died to save. And he's going to continue to love and care for his church as, as we make transitions here too. In that sense, nothing changes. Jesus' love for his church has not changed, not waned, and it won't fail. That's really cool, isn't it? Well, the reality is, you know, we need to remember that because we all have our own personalities. We all have our own personality preferences. A lot of folks have some thoughts about what's needed in the church. And I'm sure there's all divergent ideas about, we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this. And we want to make sure we're grounding ourselves in Scripture and we're grounding ourselves in what's important, what defines us, what we have to rally around, what we want to unite on as a church. Because we're, we're going to be calling you to unity, but not around a person. We're calling you to unity around the gospel, unity around Jesus. And so we've been praying and seeking to hire another pastor. We're really relying on God to keep his church, and we're going to be look to Scripture. So as we've been through this process, we've been looking to Scripture to define really um, how we evaluate what a pastor is called to do and be. And looking to those biblical qualities. And there's really two scriptures I'm sure most of you are aware of in the Bible that, that speak directly to, unambiguously to, the qualifications of an elder that an elder must demonstrate. And, and there's additional scriptures as well that you can say, well, these other scriptures help inform what that looks like and how that's carried out. But this morning I'm just going to take you through um, those two scriptures that directly talk to it so you can understand our thought process and how, how we're seeking a, a pastor and who this, who this man might be. So... In 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, if you'll turn there, please, in your Bibles. And if you have one of those little Bible marker things, those little fancy ribbons or something like that, if you'll, you'll put the marker in, in, in there, and then later we're going to flip over to another verse in Titus. So 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Let's read it together. It says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, bless you, (laughs) (laughs) self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, (laughs) able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For someone who does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. He may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. So put a little marker there in First Timothy 3 of some type if you can, because you're going to flip back to it. I want you to be able to reference it in a moment. And then flip over to Titus 1. Titus 1. It's only two pages long in my Bible, so... Don't, don't flip too many pages past. So Timothy, Titus 1, 5 through 9. Paul's giving instructions to Titus, and he's telling him why he's left him there. He says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, 
and his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. You can see that in, in both Timothy and in Titus. There, there's, there's overlapping words that he uses here. He says elder, then he says overseer, God's steward. And, and all those are referring really to the same role of a pastor, she, under-shepherd, uh, someone who shepherds, cares for, feeds the flock of God. And, and we see that there's all kinds of qualifications here. You can see one of the first ones here is above reproach. And this is a word that it, it, it doesn't mean that a pastor should be perfect. Because you're never going to find a perfect pastor. But it does mean that a man should be um, free from any charges of immorality or, or holding to false doctrine and that there shouldn't be any allegations against this man. That his conduct should be above any true charges that could be brought against him. Not false accusations, but any above reproaches, above any true charges that could be brought to him that would imply any moral difficulties. And he should be a man of irreproachable character. It's the kind of man we're looking for, for, for truth and honesty and, and general uprightness. And you look at the husband of one wife, not a lot needs to be said there. It doesn't mean he must be married, but if he is married, he's faithful to his wife alone. And, and then it says that sober-minded, one who thinks soberly, a serious thinker. You don't want a dullard in, in, in the office of a pastor. A serious thinker. Not only is he not a drunk, he's, he's a man of sound mind, one who follows sound reason. One who's not under the control of his own passions. The idea is that he should have his desires and his passions under control. He's, he's sober-minded. Self-controlled and disciplined. You can look down there in, in the verses. And if he's able to manage his own self well, a, a man who, who's either easily excitable in, in a bad way or emotionally unstable, he wouldn't be sober-minded. So it refers to the idea that an overseer must be sensible. He must be self-disciplined. Able to control his own desires. Able to plan a course of action personally and meet it. He's respectable and upright. Again, we're just taking all these things from Scripture. Respectable and upright. Do people respect his leadership, his character, his manner of life? Not only the church, it says he must be well thought of by outsiders as well. So is his reputation such that not just people in the church respect him, but people outside of the church, even if they disagree with him, don't like him, they still have respect for him. Holy is the man seeking to live a life of obedience to God. Is he an example of what it means to be, to be set apart for God? Hospitable is the, is the man given to, to having people in his home, to showing hospitality. Is he, does he not only love God's people, though, it also has the implication of does he, does he love strangers? Because in that culture in that day, hospitable meant he, he showed hospitality to the people he, he didn't know. Does he welcome people in his home on a regular basis? Does he sacrifice his own desires to serve others in hospitality? These are, just some of the biblical attributes we're looking for. Able to teach. question is, and, and it kind of expels that out in different ways. Hold, does he hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught? Is he, is he able to give instruction and doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it? You know, the question is, is the man able to understand Scripture? Can he understand how to apply and explain Scripture to others so that they can grasp it and clearly get it as well? And can he take a complex doctrine? Because not everything in Scripture is easy to understand, although God's made it so that all people can understand his words. Some things take some, take some wrestling. 
So can, can the man take those, those things you need to wrestle with and communicate it so that the hearers can learn and understand and grow and flourish in God's Word? And that doesn't mean that he's entertaining. It doesn't mean that he's outgoing. Although it's often a modern temptation for us really to, to look for men who entertain us. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, able to teach, holding firm to the trustworthy word. Paul, I was looking through and thinking about all these different qualifications and attributes. You know, Paul faced the same challenge in Corinthians. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that he says he, he intentionally didn't come to them with lofty speech, but that he was with them in weakness. And he's talking about weakness of speech. He was with them in weakness and in fear and in trembling. So certainly when it's talking about those qualifications, it doesn't mean being dynamic and impressive. It, it means, is he faithful? Can he, can he teach sound doctrine and refute those who don't? And actually, in 2 Corinthians 10.10, it's pretty remarkable. It, it says that they thought of Paul's presence as weak. His, his public presence was weak. And his speech was of, counted of no account. I think Paul was probably called. Paul was probably an elder. And I'm being facetious. Of course Paul was. Paul preached the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the kind of elder that we're seeking is the kind of man who's going to preach the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ faithfully too. And it could mean teaching in small groups. It could mean teaching in, in settings and in, in classes or other venues as well. And it doesn't mean that this is going to be the guy who's primarily on Sunday morning is going to be the man for us. I believe that God's called me primarily to bring God's word to you on a regular basis. Well, it says that an elder must, must not be a drunkard, not given to much wine. Um, or other drinks as well. Not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. An elder isn't to always be arguing or trying to play devil's advocate. It's not a godly thing if you find a man continually doing that. It's, it's not the kind of man who's been called to, to shepherd and care for God's people. He should be gentle. shouldn't be argumentative or contentious. Not a, not a lover of money. This talks about not being greedy, not being consumed with the desire to, to, to get rich. doesn't love money more than he loves God. He must manage his own household well. Is, is this man a leader in his own home? Does he lead his wife in the affairs of the home with diligence? He's not an authoritarian, but he, does he shepherd his own family? Does he show that his family is desiring or pursuing God? Or at least his wife is desiring and pursuing God. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. His children, it says, will on Titus, they're not open the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Pardon me. Or insubordination. Is, is he managing and caring and discipling his children? Because how he disciples his children is going to be reflected in how he disciples the church. And vice versa. He must not be a recent convert. He may be puffed up with conceit and fall in condemnation of the devil. A lover of good. Does he love to do what's good? Does he love to follow God's word and help other people follow God's word? In the end, really, these are the qualifications that we started with. As we, just so you know, hey, how do you guys think of, how do you call a pastor? These are the qualifications that we started with in evaluating what kind of man we want to come and pastor our church. And then we took what we believe God is calling us to. Because it's not just that. Also, you have to, there's character and qualifications. And then you, you look at, is there evident gifting as well? And other people confirm that gifting. Have we seen the gifting? And, and then we took what God's calling us to as a church and 
And, and we look for man to fill that role based on what God's calling us to. And remember that we believe that in this new season that really God's, God's calling us to reemphasize some things, being a disciple of Jesus. And can, can the pastor who's coming help us grow in our identity and our understanding as disciples of Jesus? And then we want to grow as disciples. Can, can this pastor help us as a church grow as disciples, whether that's through small groups of, of men or, or taking folks aside and going through Bible studies or small teaching contexts or things like that? Can, 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 can they help us grow as disciples? And that's one of the areas I, I have a lot of faith for us to grow in as a church is to grow in depth as disciples of Jesus. And then lastly, can he help us grow in being disciple makers? within the church and learning to say, you know what, who am I discipling in this church? And I'd ask you this morning, contemplate, who am I discipling in this church? Or, or maybe who, who in the circles that God has given me, my, in my work, my school, my neighborhood, wherever that might be, who am I seeking to, to make a disciple of Jesus? And we want a man that's going to help us grow in that area, and I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to that as well. So as we looked at where our church is, what God's calling us to, it became clear that we didn't need an elder who can help come alongside me and, and caring for the church and discipling people primarily and equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Because in, in the new, a few months from now, we're going to be talking about how really all of you are ministers. Not in the old sense of thinking of yourselves as pastors. All of you are ministers, and it's, it's our job as pastors to equip you to minister. So it became clear we need, we need to have someone who's going to be helpful in equipping, helpful in discipling. Not a man who can do everything himself, but who can equip others to do that. As we looked at it, it kind of shaped the job description that we're looking for. And, and part of that job description is someone who can, can, can take some of those care, the care groups that we have. And, and then we, we kind of divide responsibilities up between Jim and I currently. And we want to continue to do that so that um, we share the, the, the load and the privilege of discipling. So we need somebody who can help oversee and care for and shepherd and pastor care groups. Somebody who can... Um, Bring teaching in small contexts to, to disciple and to train in discipleship. So that's the kind of person we're looking for, discipleship and counseling and all the other things that are affiliated with that. We need somebody who can teach in those in smaller venues and watch people grow and then help them make disciples themselves. So we went through that process of evaluation, and, we, and it shaped who we were searching for. Because initially, you know, you can think, well, I want this kind of guy, this kind of guy. You go, oh, wait a minute, God's word really shapes the kind of person we need. And, and what God's called us to as a local church informs what that's going to look like and the different attributes that that man has. So we went through this process of evaluation and we're searching for a man with experience because of that. We want somebody who's experienced in discipleship. So that kind of narrowed the field down from, from newer pastors to guys with um, you know, five, ten plus years experience under the belts. We wanted guys who could immediately step in because Jim's an experienced pastor. We're losing an experienced pastor. We, would, we, we need to get an experienced pastor as well to come alongside so we can um, immediately continue to grow with that process of evaluation and look for a man of proven character and discipling men, equipping the church. And, and as you know, um, we had a guy named Aaron Campbell here. Uh, I don't know how many weeks ago it was now. And he preached a message in the church. And he's been a pastor for over 13 years in a sister church within Sovereign Grace Ministries. And we brought other men aside. I don't, I don't know if you remember or not, but the family meeting, we talked about having an, an interim advisory team. And, and we had three men who were not paid by the church, but who, who are full of the Spirit and, and upstanding in character who God's given wisdom to. 
I'm coming from very different backgrounds. Uh, Doug Young, actually, I'll, and, and Chris Menard. I'll have you guys stand at the end of this, by the way. Uh, just give you a heads up. Doug Young and, and Chris Menard and Chris Johnson uh, joined us in helping to evaluate um, who we would have. And, and the, everybody interviewed him. All three of those guys interviewed Aaron when he came to visit. And then Jim did and Sam did and I did as well. And we went through this evaluation process together after that uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, considering the biblical qualifications for an elder, walking down an objective list of where do we think this man is in, in, in relation to the biblical qualifications and what we need and what we're looking for. And so in the end, the recommendation of our advisory team, um, of, of Chris and Chris and Doug, as well as Jim and Sam and myself, um, we made a recommendation last Sunday night to all the care completers. Um, all, all those who are helping and caring for the church and, and playing critical roles as, as, as kind of representative of the church. And, and so we, we brought it to the care group leaders last Sunday night in, in that process, and, and all the care group leaders weighed in, and we had, like I think it was like close to a four-hour meeting or more really talking about this and, and talking about the qualifications and, and getting their input and feedback, and they were asking questions and answering questions. And so we went through this, this period and this process. And all this is new, which is why we're telling you this. We've never done this kind of process for hiring somebody before. So we're, we're wanting to involve the input of, of wise folks in the church, and we're wanting to hear from the many gifts that God's given to us. So that's, that's why we've been through this process and involving an advisory team and the care group leaders and the like. So the care group leaders weighed in on the recommendation, and and Sunday, their recommendation is together as, as a group, along with the advisory team and Jim and Sam and I, we all said, yeah, it seems pleasing to us and to the Lord to, um, to continue to pursue hiring Aaron Campbell. So that's where we're at currently. So the next step is really where we're at right now. We're bringing it to you, the church. And we're letting you know about what we believe God is calling us to and leading us in right now. And we're going to ask for you to prayerfully consider this over the next couple of weeks. Take the next couple of weeks, think about the qualifications of an elder, think about what we talked about, and think about um, how God has given us many gifts to help us making this recommendation. As you go home and consider it, ask that you pray. And, if you, and what we're asking for really is if, if you have any concerns about hiring Aaron, please come to either Jim or I or one of the members of the advisory team. That's why I'm going to have them stand in a moment. Actually, guys, if you'll stand out. Doug, could you stand up just so people know who you are, people know who Jim and I are. Um, Chris Johnson, Chris Menard, are you guys here this morning? Excellent, Chris Menard, and I don't know that Chris Johnson is here. He's probably duck hunting, if I know Chris. Everybody's shaking their heads back there. <laughs> um, well, Chris Johnson's a younger guy with blonde hair um, <laughs> and a huge beard. Anyway, uh, one of those three guys, or Jim and I, if you could come to us, if you have any concerns, if you know of, hey, um, I'm concerned that he, he may not fulfill the, the qualifications of an elder. Or I'm concerned that I don't, I don't, you know, I have concerns about the process you guys have walked through. Um, I'd ask that you have any concerns. If he's, if he's not biblically qualified to lead, we want to hear from you. So we just ask that you come. Please come individually and, and don't, don't, you know, go out to lunch and share all your concerns with everybody around you and fall into gossip or, you know, out of sharing your concerns over lunch and, um, but Billy's do come to us. We want to we take the next two weeks to hear from you. So we're going to wait, and we're going to wait over the next two weeks and say, Lord, we, we trust you, and we, we trust that God is, is leading us in the direction of hiring Aaron. But we, wanna, we want God to make it clear. And if there's any concerns or any, any reasons why he, he doesn't fit into the qualifications of the elder thing, we don't know. Uh, we want to hear that from you. 
So Lord willing, in the next two weeks, where are we at right now? What does this mean? Well, in the next two weeks, by January 29th, we want to announce the final decision. So in the meanwhile, um, I really am trusting in God to confirm things and make the decision clear because ultimately, remember, he loves his church. And he's going to keep and care for his church. And that's where our trust is, and that's where our hope is. So thank you for allowing us to bring this to you. We're not taking questions right now. Sorry, Jim. It's not a question? Okay. What do you got? Sure. Sure. That's great. Yep. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Well, what you heard from is all the qualifications that, we've, that we based it on. So um, I, I can send that to, uh, I, I'll put it up on our blog of all the biblical qualifications that, of an elder. And that's the qualifications that we've advised, the advisory team has evaluated him on. So um, that's, that's really it. It's really just from Scripture. I don't have anything else to, to, to give you other than saying, as we thought through, look through those things and talk to him. Um, that's, that's where we're at. So um, we're, we're, not, uh, we're, we're not looking for tons of questions. And so thanks, Jim. Appreciate that. But we, we do want if you have any concerns. Um, so we'll be doing that. So um, I am in faith for God to lead us and to care for us. I'm in faith for God to confirm what he has for us. And I know that God has good things in store for us. So even as we're here, um, we are... Um, we're trusting in the Lord. We only know in part, but we trust that he knows fully. And he loves and cares for this church. So there is one more announcement that we have for you. So if Jim would come up um, and give the final announcement, then we'll, I'll close it out in a minute. Ah, my battery's dead. That's why it keeps going. Can you hear it, though? Okay, good. I got the old red light, so I'm drinking instead. Well, first of all, uh, Matt, good job. Thanks, buddy. And, uh, you know, somebody may be wondering, hey, we didn't do this with Matt. As you know, Sovereign Grace has been evolving, morphing in its polity, its church government structure. So the way we did is not the way we do, and this is going to look more like the way we're going to do in the future. So, um, and it's great. If you've been part of a pulpit search committee um, in the past, there are some things that resonate in this with you, but there are some significant differences as well because it's not just about hiring a man for the pulpit because apt, able to teach is much more than that. Remember Paul, as he was giving his farewell address to the Ephesian, what he thought was his farewell address to the Ephesian elders, he said he had two types of ministry. And, and Timothy Titus encapsulates that. He had, he had public and house-to-house. House. And in this case, um, Matt is going to be the primary preacher. Matt will be preaching the, all senior pastors in Sovereign Grace. That's their mandate. That's why they're the lead pastor. They're going to, they bring the bulk of the doctrinal teaching in a public venue on Sunday mornings. So the other pastors, if you're from other denominations in your background, like a PCA, you know, assisted associate, all that kind of thing, we're more hiring in that venue. We've had an unusual paradigm that doesn't, hasn't existed in really any Sovereign Grace Church that I'm aware of, hardly except for this one, um, in the sense that when we hired Matt, we basically hired two senior pastors. Uh, one just needed a little ramp-up time. 
And uh, so it's, it may be like, well, are we, weren't, weren't, is this guy going to preach as much as Matt did when you were around? Well, Matt's not going to have any extra local responsibilities. Matt's not going to be traveling. Matt's not, Matt's not, Matt's not. He's going to be fully and exclusively focused on this, our congregation. So the, the other hire will look different than what we were looking for when we hired Matt. So you can think of the house-to-house set. Another good way to call it is he's going to be involved in equipping and biblical counseling and more one-on-one and small group ministry, which is a, a, an area that Aaron has a um, proven strength in. So, and yes, Jim, um, to answer your question, yeah, it, you know, it's really cool. There's, there's these statements, these qualifications are real simple. They're either answered with the word yes or the word no. He either is or he ain't. And, and it's, it's that clear in Scripture, and enough people have done enough homework to do that. So what to reiterate with Matt, and uh, I know uh, you met, but golly, you can't say everything. We did this with the care group leaders, but we also got all their wives' input as well. So ladies, um, every single lady in the room, uh, some more than others, spoke up. Uh, so it was outstanding, and it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and very instructive for us. So that's the process. It looks different than it used to. And so we're just looking for, hey, if there's something we have missed, particularly in the area of above reproach, a disqualifying thing to be a biblical New Testament elder, then please, we want to hear from you because we feel that we have gone through several layers. We have, he has already, he is a New Testament elder, was a New Testament elder in a congregation he was at. He's never been disqualified. He has already gone through that entire process. He's been doing it for 13 years, so he's got a proven track record. However, if there's something that we missed in that that you know and can bring to our attention, then goodness gracious, we want to do it. And we want to hear from you. If you have concerns or questions about, hey, this is new and what's up with that, and explain those scriptures to me. Oh, yeah, we'd be happy to do that as well. So that's all we're looking for. Um, and that's a good thing. So we want everybody's involvement. And uh, that'll be outstanding. Um, last but not least, um, as you know, no surprise, Corey and I are, are we're, I'm a lame duck uh, lead pastor. I feel like the you know, president of the United States. Um, I'm a lame, I'm a lame duck. You know, it, I had to explain, I was trying to explain uh, to somebody, to somebody younger, and I was, they were like, well, how does this transition look? And I say, it looks like after the election in September and before January, that time frame, the president, he either just pardons everybody and does all kind of favors, which I won't be doing, um, <laughs> or if you relocate to Melbourne, 1% tithe, no confrontation, one year. Um, so... Um, it'll be outstanding. You don't have to serve for six months. It'll be awesome. Um, so, uh, so he either does what I just did or, um, but, but thankfully it, it hasn't been a lame duck because we are a plurality and we're continuing to do things in that way. So it's a good, good deal. Bottom line, um, how does this affect our leaving? Well, first of all, this decision with Aaron is not a done deal. Uh, We obviously, Matt talked to Aaron earlier this week after we got buy-in from all the care group leaders and their wives. So what we didn't want to do was come to you and say, hey, what do you think? Two weeks later, we go through this process, and then we call Aaron, and he goes, oh, you know what? I'm not really interested. 
So it was a catch-22. He's aware he is at this point. And we said, well, if it progressed further, if there was nothing disqualifying, if, 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 would you be interested? And the answer is yes. But he knows that there has not been a single decision made. So please know that this is a process that we are being faithful to fulfill. We're not just saying we're doing something and we're not. Um, so that, that's that. So uh, what happens next? Well, in two weeks, we'll find out yes or no. But regardless of two weeks, because we've got a group of folks in Melbourne who are, are, are waiting and in the process of waiting. Some of them have been waiting for three or four years. And uh, some that were on board three years ago, you can't wait for three years. You're going to go and be part of another local church. And you should be. You should not mark time for three years. So in order to serve them, um, Corey and I are going to be moving. Um, we're going to be living in Melbourne on March 1st. So February will be our last month here in Greenville. So what that's going to look like, I had a calendar. I have a calendar. Yeah, what that's going to look like uh, practically. Uh, yeah, the 26th will be our last day, but I got a much more important thing. Thank you, Matt. On the 19th is the day that we're going to set Matt in. Sunday, the 19th of February is going to be the day we set Matt in as a senior pastor of this church. So Steve Shank. Uh, Matt's old friend is going to be flying in. Aaron Osborne, representative of Sovereign Grace, is going to be coming up. And we're going to be setting Matt in as senior pastor. So we're going to pass the baton, which I am, like, so stoked about. Um, on the 19th to my friend. So uh, that I'm looking forward to, kind of, and uh, mixed blessing. But I'm more looking forward to it than saddened by it. And then on the 26th will be um, Corey and I's final Sunday. And uh, we'll probably move on the 27th or 28th because uh, we've got a senior pastor retreat on the 29th that Matt and I will be at. And uh, so I've got to get to Melbourne so that we can start on March the 1st. So that's, uh, that's it in a nutshell. Your care group leaders will be talking to you. We're going to have some, we're going to combine some of the care groups because Corey and I just selfishly ask for an opportunity to um, whoever wants to come to these combined care group, leader, care group meetings on Wednesday or Thursday nights in the end of February. You'll get the dates soon. Um, but we just, Corey and I wanted the opportunity to be able to, if we, we kicked around the idea that we do some, you know, I feel like I'm getting married, you know, cake reception or something like that. Um, do we do that? But um, as wonderful as that would be, um, it's Corey and I's desire to be able to, to slow that process down and just get together in smaller groups so that we can um, so we can not do this publicly. Um, so that we can have the opportunity just to, to look as many of you in the eye as we can, as many of you who desire to be part of this. Um, and just thank you uh, for how you've enriched our lives. And uh, more importantly, thank you for how you serve this church. And uh, we just wanted that opportunity to be able to do that. So, uh, Matt, let me be selfish and dominate three care group times um, so that we can just uh, have more, more time to, to look each of you in the eye and say thank you. So uh, that's going to be how it is. And uh, over to you, boss. So. Well, we have a, a really unique opportunity to, to participate together. Where do we go from here? Well, we have an opportunity to participate together in seeing the gospel spread to 
to Melbourne as well. Um, if you have valued and appreciated things you've learned in this church, ways you've grown in this church, ways God has met you, worked through the life and the ministry of Jim, you can participate in that same blessing and sending on the blessing to other people. So um, we can participate together. Um, just some practical ways I want to bring to you before we close. And, and some real practical things we would ask you to think about is that um, just to let you know where things are financially for him and for, for the church plant is that a church plant typically gets around sixty to $65,000 from Sovereign Grace Ministries as a church planting grant. Well, as you know, that's, that's probably not enough to pay a guy's salary so he can support his family, rent facilities, buy sound equipment, do all the things that are necessary to, in starting up a church. It really requires a, about double that figure. Requires around about around about one hundred and twenty thousand for really the first year of a really tight church planting budget. So sixty five is not one twenty if you're doing the math. Um, there, there's a difference between those two things. So the grant from Sovereign Grace is sixty five. The uh, the the other money or sixty sixty five and and the the difference is going to be made up um, of about fifty five sixty whatever that is. Um, that that comes from two places really typically. It typically comes from the, either the sending church or from whoever comes the first year to the church plant. And, and generally, the, the first year church plant is relatively small. Um, so normally, not all of that comes from there. And, and, there, and knowing where Melbourne is, and because we've delayed it a little bit, um, and, and the team is, is not shrunk, we're, not, we're, we're still in faith, it's going to be great, it's going to be wonderful, we're excited about it, but it, it's maybe not as big as we thought it might be. So um, in that, we have an opportunity to come alongside them and support them even more. So uh, we want you to, we're asking you, I am, Jim's not, I'm asking you to consider how God might help you give above and beyond your normal giving in this church here, but give above and beyond your normal giving to to further the work of the gospel. Think of this as our missionary, your, your time to give to the missionaries. So this is, this is your missionary time to give towards Jim and, and Corey planting the church in Melbourne. So um, we would ask you to do that. We're going to give you a couple opportunities to do that. Um, mark in your calendars February 12th. Um, that's the day we're going to take up a special offering really to bless them. The reason we want to do it on the 12th is so that by the 26th we have a good idea of what that is so we can let them know that as they're on the way out. But on the 26th as well, so February 12th, um, think, consider, ask, pray how God might have you give over and above what you give here towards planting a church. And then on the 26th as well, we're going to have a second opportunity, their last Sunday here, for anybody who misses the 12th to, to catch up and, and give in that way as well. So consider how God would have you serve. Consider how God would have you serve. It's, if it's through giving, if it's through prayer or whatever means. Um, the Williamsons, uh, uh, George and Rita Williamson, they've considered and they're leaving us. And uh, for a good reason. They're going to go and be part of the church planting team there and join the other folks who are already present in Melbourne. So they're going to be departing, or at least I believe they're, they're going to be departing as Lord willing. So consider how God would have you support them, maybe how God would have you serve them. If God's put that on your heart um, to relocate as well, talk to Jim and, and, and see if, if God would confirm that or not. And then lastly, and really the biggest one in all of this, in, in, a, in hiring a pastor and in sending Jim out and all the transitions. We need your prayers. We, we desperately need your prayers. God answers the prayers of his people. God responds to the prayers of his people. So we're asking you to pray. Maybe you've not prayed for this transition yet. I, I want to encourage you. I, I want to invite you to, to pray. Pray earnestly. 
we, we need your prayers. We want your prayers and pray for Jim, pray for the transition there, pray for the, whoever that is that's coming to our church. And, and then we just ask that you trust, trust in God. Um, to some degree, we're asking to trust in us, but ultimately, any trust in us is not because you trust us, it's because you trust God. And because you trust that God has confirmed that and, and made that clear, that hopefully we've earned your trust as well. So in that trust God and pray. So that's how we would ask you to respond the most, consider giving and how you might serve, and if God's placed it on your heart to go and be a part of that church plant as well. So with that, let's close in prayer, and then we'll dismiss you at 12.01, so I'm a minute late already. But Father, thank you for these wonderful opportunities to glorify you, to look to you in hope, to trust in you, Jesus Christ, who is over all and in all, who holds all things together. Jesus, we want you to be preeminent in our, in our lives. We want you to be preeminent in our thoughts. We want you to be preeminent in our speech. We want you to be preeminent in our, in our deeds. God, may we honor you, may we glorify you in these changes, in these transitions, in our thinking, in our actions, in our speech. Lord, may we honor you in every way. Lord, because we know and we trust that you are the one who is building this local church. So, Lord, we leave that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well-